0: Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery podcast, a
1: curated series of interviews and discussions highlighting the three shields of orthopedic surgery at Mayo Clinic, clinical practice, research, and education. Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Ortho Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colecio Corja, and we have the pleasure of having my esteemed colleague, Dr. Joaquin Sanchez-Sotelo here with us today. Joaquin obtained his medical degree, PhD, and orthopedic residency training at the Autonomous University of Madrid. He then completed two adult reconstruction fellowships here at the Mayo Clinic. Joaquin has an extensive research background and is well known for his work both here and internationally. He currently serves as the chair of our shoulder and elbow department here at the Mayo Clinic. We are lucky to have Dr. Sanchez Otello here with us to speak today. Welcome, Joaquin.
0: Thank you very much, Kelechi. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: So today we're gonna be talking about elbow arthroplasty, everything elbow arthroplasty, so we'll dive right in. So Joaquin, what is the current trend of elbow arthroplasty? How does that compare with total knee and total hip arthroplasty?
0: That is a great question. So I would argue that um, many orthopedic surgeons are to some extent scared about the thought of an elbow orthoplasty And the reason is that the complication rate and profile, I think in general is fair to say, is higher than for hip and knee and shoulder. So in shoulder, hip and knee orthoplasty, we've made great advances. And I would argue that today, uh, the complication rate after a primary Arthroplasty of any of those three joints, you can expect maybe one to 3% for the elbow is more like 10%. And the second challenge is that the complications that occur are difficult to handle. And then you add the fact that there are less patients in the world that need an elbow replacement. So the individual experience of each surgeon is more limited. So I think it's a field that still needs a lot of work to make it equivalent to what we can achieve today in other larger joints.
1: That's great. And so what are your indications for elbow arthroplasty and what is the typical presentation for a patient requiring this operation?
0: So it has changed a lot over time. Uh, When I was in training, the most common indication was classic inflammatory arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis. But with the development of so-called disease-modifying anti-rheumatoid drugs, those medications control inflammation really well. So we have seen a trend where there is less and less patients that are rheumatoid and require an elbow arthroplasty. And when they do, they actually have a much more active lifestyle because maybe the elbow is bad, but they have pretty good hands and hips and knees and shoulders and so on. So now the most common indication I see in my practice is the patient that has post-traumatic arthritis. So someone that had typically a really bad fracture that was treated surgically, the fixation failed somehow or not, the joint is essentially destroyed. And we see a lot of patients now coming to our institution that have a failure of So the great indications are post-traumatic OA and revision surgery. Primary OA, as, as you know, is not very common as, of an indication because in the elbow, it responds really well to arthroscopic debridement.
1: Okay, so it's more shifting for post-traumatic or fracture care. Now, is the success rate different after those cases when compared to a, a inflammatory arthropathy case?
0: Yes, because, um, at least historically, the patients that are required in the setting of rheumatoid arthritis, they were not very active overall. um, And they were slightly older when they needed the replacement, except for juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So um, I think you could equate the survivorship of the implant uh, in rheumatoid arthritis to maybe hip and knee arthroplasty. The post-traumatic patient is different. Oftentimes, it's younger males that really want to be active. It's only one joint affected, and if the arthroplasty takes away pain and restores motion, the temptation is to use it as you would use your normal elbow. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many of the older designs didn't allow such use. Right.
1: So the the younger patients are going to put more wear and tear on the implant and it might wear out earlier.
0: That's correct. Okay.
1: What is the recovery time following the elbow arthroplasty?
0: For the elbow, we place a lot of priority on a skin healing because we know that infection if it happens can be catastrophic. So typically we don't let patients move the elbow for the first couple of weeks and it's actually better to keep the elbow in extension. Because the skin incision is typically in the back, so you can imagine if you mobilize the elbow in flexion, there's more stress on the skin. So most patients will have a splint to keep the arm in extension for a couple of weeks. And then once the skin is completely healed, no danger of the infection, then most patients can actually recover on their own. It's rare that patients uh, that undergo an elbow arthroplasty need to work with a physical therapist, and it takes about three months or so to recover range of motion after elbow arthroplasty.
1: That's great. So usually you keep them still for you know a week or so, and then get them moving right away. They usually don't need therapy, but they recover in about three months. That's correct. And how long do these elbow replacements last? We know that with the newer implants with total knees and total hips, they're lasting anywhere from 20, 25 years. What's the longevity on a total elbow arthroplasty?
0: I think it depends a lot on a number of things. One would be the indication. So a patient that has rheumatoid arthritis, the classic style with polyarticular involvement, you can expect 15 to 20 years. With older implants in a patient with prismatic OA, By 10 years, there used to be a fair amount of polyethylene wear. However, there are new implants in the market, like for hip and knee, that have much better wear performance. And the hope is that those patients will be able to enjoy their implant for 15 to 20 years, as long as they don't have early complications. So I think if you are past the point of having triceps failure or infection, which are the early complications after replacement, they can easily go for 10 to 15 years with the newer implants, provided the implant is perfectly aligned and tracking properly.
1: Okay. And, and does the type of implant or the type of surgery do have, a, have an outcome with that? So if you do a semi-constrained implant, is that better than a fully constrained or a non-constrained implant?
0: Yeah, that's what we think, even though we have not been able to prove it scientifically today because uh, the older implants that were unconstrained were not perfectly designed. So then that basically trumps the results because if the design wasn't properly uh, conceived, it could be unlinked or unconstrained, but it would still fail. But it, with the newer implants that are uh, unlinked, I think that if we can restore the anatomy and the structure of the elbow to as close to normal as possible, then I think that really helps um, in that regard. So you have an implant that uh, is not linked uh, and has adequate stability through the collateral ligaments, and then the radial head provides stability by either the native radial head or the real head implant, I think that helps substantially as well.
1: Okay, that's great. And you touched a little bit about post-traumatic or, or trauma patients being treated with total elbow arthroplasty. Is there any specific indication with a trauma or a trauma pattern that you look for to be indicated to a total elbow arthroplasty?
0: Yeah, because we know that the failure rate is high in patients with post-traumatic OA, we always try, for the most part, if possible, to look into other options and, as I said before, for primary OA, Luckily, the elbow responds to the treatment reasonably well, uh, so oftentimes we try to use elbow orthoplasty only as a last resort. Having said that, there are patients that come to us where there is really no solution. And that I see most commonly in distal hemorrhage structures that go south where either the joint collapses or they get a non-union or they post-traumatic And also patients that have a really bad, terrible triad where the coronary is involved and the elbow just loses the structure. And within a couple of years, you can see the joint degenerate very quickly.
1: those are great indications, Joaquin. And then what are your post-operative restrictions? I know you talked a little bit about it, but what do you usually tell them after surgery?
0: Yeah, I don't know that we know for sure what other restrictions we should impose in the newer implants. When I was in training, my mentor, Dr. Murray, used to tell patients not to lift more than one to two pounds on a repetitive basis, and no more than 10 as a single day event. We know that that is too restrictive. And we also know through research done in our institution that patients do way more than that. So what I try to do with my patients is instead of telling them a given amount of pounds they can lift. I tell them, you know, uh, you have to think about the elbow as going through cycles of motion. And for example, if you carry an object with the elbow without motion, that probably is not very detrimental. It is the movement of the elbow with weight that can wear out the surface. So not they understand not to go to the health and lift weights and to avoid lifting heavy with cycles of motion?
1: That's really great advice, Joaquin. Um, Are there any new innovations in the elbow arthroplasty that are improving the way we do the surgery or post-operative outcomes?
0: So everyone is working really hard in understanding, believe it or not, what is the best exposure. Um, There is an interesting what we call triceps-on approaches where you leave the triceps attached to the ulna. The benefit of that is that there is no triceps complications. The downside is that it's much more difficult to fit the implants where they belong. So another option is to go through the extensor mechanism and what we don't know yet is what is the best way to, to do that, you know there's different approaches that are evolving, we use here the triceps uh, tongue or them on pop up approach that seems to be very useful. And there is an interest in cementless fixation of the implants, but every time that someone has tried to do that it hasn't really worked, so I think there is a lot of room for improvement for elbow arthroplasty. Okay.
1: Now, I know elbow arthroplasty is in its infancy when compared to the other joints, but is there any of the other things that you talked about on the shoulder in terms of preoperative planning with navigation, patient-specific instruments, or any of that stuff kind of coming
0: yeah, over no, to the elbow? Navigation has been tried in the field of elbow orthoplasty only in uh, calibre studies. And the challenge is that the current designs uh, are such that they a STEM fit in the canal really dictates where the joint lands. So if you want to navigate the joint where you want, the stem actually doesn't fit. So I think there is the need to develop new implants that go hand in hand with navigation to apply the technology to the elbow. But the challenge is that because elbow replacement is much less common, in general, companies have less interest in investing resources. So I think that's gonna lag behind other joints. Okay,
1: great, great. Um, do you have any advice for young surgeons who want to go into elbow arthroplasty and looking for tips or any advice to give them?
0: Yeah, I think it's very important to get adequate training. So anything you can do to train yourself, visiting surgeons that have a high volume is probably the best. Second best is to do cadaver work as well to train yourself um, and really be thoughtful and careful. And it's an operation that I don't think you can rush through. So I wouldn't place my arthroplastics when you start to do it on a very busy day where you have another five cases. Just dedicate time and effort, and everything matters, from the management of the skin to the ulnar nerve, how to deal with the extensor mechanism, getting the implants in the perfect rotation, being patient until the skin is healed before you move the patient, and so on. So when the operation works well, it is wonderful. The key is not to have early failures, which for us are either infection or triceps failure, And to make sure that the implants are so well positioned that if a patient uses the elbow, it's not going to wear out very rapidly.
1: That's great, Joaquin. Well, I'm just going to try to summarize everything that you said here. So we talked about the increasing rate of total elbow elbow arthroplasty. However, the complication rate is a little bit higher. It's at about 10%, whereas total hips and total knees are about 1%. And that the complications are also a little bit harder to deal with. And so we try to prevent those. We talked about the indication used to be inflammatory arthritis, but now with the treatment of inflammatory arthritis, that's shifted to now post-traumatic and and trauma cases. Uh, We talked about the survivorship is higher in the inflammatory arthritis just due to the patients being more sedentary, whereas the traumatic patients are younger, more active, and, and kind of wear that implant earlier. We talked about the recovery time being about three months to recover full motion. And the longevity, whereas it's 15 to 20 in that inflammatory case, we hope we can get that same thing with our post-traumatic patients with the neuroimplants. Lastly, we talked about um, the indications in trauma patients being distal humerus fractures and really bad, terrible triads, and that our post-operative restrictions are more movement with weights uh, rather than the amount of load you're lifting. And then, lastly, we talked about newer techniques with tricep sparing approaches and cementless approaches.
0: That sum it up, Joaquin. Yeah, that's a perfect summary for our conversation. Good job.
1: Well, uh, thanks for stopping with us, Joaquin. It's a pleasure to have you today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you very much.